Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mental Mosaic. I love to talk to different people and I think one of my favorite things is when you're having a conversation with someone and they make you think about life in another way. Maybe you see things in a different light. And that is exactly what my next guest, Camille Baker, did for me today. And I hope you enjoy this interview because I really did. Her new book is The Moment We Met. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but also a little bit about life and what expectations we put on ourselves and how sometimes we internally beat ourselves up because we think that we're not doing enough in a timely fashion. It's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. Like I said, as much as I did, it's coming up right after this short message. Hey everyone, it is Kiki Garcia. Welcome back to another episode of Mental Mosaic. You know that part of being a whole person or feeding all the different parts of us is for me, of course, reading and getting lost in a book. And I found another great one. It's called The Moment We Met is from Camille Baker. And I'm super excited to have her with us today. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about this book. It is a standalone, is that correct? It's not a continuation of your other book, right? Right. It's a standalone, but it's set in the same world. So if readers have read the first one, they'll see some familiar faces. But if you start with the moment we met, we totally made sure that it was cohesive and it wasn't any information missing. Now, your main character, Tawanda, she is a career lady. And I think that's something we can all relate to, especially nowadays. I feel like people are not rushing to be in a relationship and get married up and pairing off and having the family. I think we are concentrating more on our our career. How important is that to you to get that point across that it's okay? Yeah, that was really important to me. I wanted to write Tawanda as a character who kind of approached romance the way I did, where it's like super on the back burner, um, where, you know, there's love available in her life in various forms. And so romance was just something that she hasn't really thought about because she has other goals in place that she also needs to get to because, yeah, she's a career woman. She's working this job and moving up. But at the same time, it wasn't like her vision for her life. She had other plans and goals and dreams that she has to decide to take the leap and pursue. So what do you think about this shift? Because I know I'm seeing it with my daughter and I've had numerous conversations with the man who I work with on my morning radio show about it. If we had just, we feel, if we had just maybe concentrated a little less on pairing up and a little more on our career, we could have been maybe a little bit further now. Yeah, I think it's an interesting shift. I think I like that people um, are starting to like really look inward and ask themselves, like, what do they want to get out of life? Like, what are their top goals and what are maybe not as important? Um, And I think that's what's causing the shift really, because before it was like, you know, expect it, like you need to go and Mm -hmm. find this partner and 
build a life like that's what you need to do to build a life but that's not true you can build your community and you can have your family and friends around you and also figure out what you want to do for yourself um and so yeah I think it's interesting but I also think that if you do find like the right partner that really complements your life and really like feeds into you like it cannot be a hindrance to like your other goals like they can also help you like move forward and achieve those goals too now, definitely in your book, I've seen family is, uh, I see family is very important. How important is that to you personally, and also to get that message across in your books as well? Uh, family is super important to me. And like with writing this book, I found myself like thinking about my family dynamics more than I do on the normal day-to-day -day basis. Like thinking about the different sides of my family and how they interact with each other and how they were bridged with just, you know, two people deciding to get in a relationship together and have children. And then bam, a, a, two families are bridged. Um, so yeah, and then representing that, I feel like with each book I write, I'm trying to get closer and closer to the complicated family dynamics that I see in my family because it's so complicated and it's so hard to portray that in a book form. But so each time I'm trying to get deeper and deeper and layer in those different relationships. I also love it when a book shows the generations sticking together because I feel, so I lost my mom and my dad in 2020 for, to cancer. And I, I almost feel like sometimes the older generations are the glue that keep us all together. And then once that, that person, that level, you know, passes away, we start to not keep in touch with each other as much as we really should. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because with my family, as the older generation passes on, like we're seeing less family reunions, mm -hmm. we're seeing less of like that torch being carried on, like who's going to organize, who's going to bring us together. And it is sad to think about. And so my way of battling that is I've started like interviewing like the elders of my family, because I want to know their stories. And I want to know who our family was and who are the older people that you had in your life when you were young. Um, and so that's how I battle those feelings of like sadness about like the family mm -hmm. dynamics changing. Um, but yeah, I do think it's something that the younger generation can hopefully push back against once we, I feel like collectively we should feel like a kind of loss with our family, our extended family. So hopefully we'll come together and be like, okay, <laughs> let's somehow plan a family reunion. Let's find the old phone books, like dust them off and, you know, connect. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. um, I feel that way a lot. Um, I was just going to make a point and now it just lost it. My dad took it out of my head, but um, yeah, it's true. I just, I, I, I see that even in my husband's family happening and I don't like it. I liked when we were all together and, you know, all the kids and I know everyone goes their separate ways. I mean, that's another thing too. People don't stay close together living wise like geography wise I feel like we all spread out and it makes it even harder to get all together I had a thought and I think I ended up sharing it with my therapist but I had a thought like my brother was in town and I was in Chicago and then like he left and I was like okay bye he lives in Corpus Christi Texas mm -hmm. and like a part of me was feeling I was like is this how we're supposed to live like 
after slavery ended, people were walking miles and miles to try to reunite with family that were sold away. And I'm like, but now we're electively like living miles and miles apart. So I'm like, is this how it's supposed to be? <laughs> but then another part of me was like, you would be annoyed if you saw your brother every day. <laughs> but there's some people that I do want to be like close with. So just figuring out like those family members and friends that are important for you to have close because as I'm a person who moves around a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I make sure to visit people a lot. But at some point, hopefully I will find a place where I want to settle and be near people, be near my loved ones. Hopefully. It's so funny. I struggled with that for years because I live in New Mexico. My family's mostly in New York, Massachusetts. Uh, my parents were on Cape Cod and, you know, I would go back and visit every, you know, when I could, I always saw my parents, but like everyone, maybe for weddings and, and Christmas and bigger things. And it's almost like when you go back, you feel like a stranger because you're not in the loop and they're all so close and living mm. within like two hours of each other. So they get to be a part of the everyday life. But me so far away, I always felt like an outsider and it just made me sad. Like I didn't want my kids to feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, And it is important um, for children to have, I feel like that sense when I was a kid, there's always so many aunts and uncles around and it was very important for my upbringing and I'm so close with my aunts and uncles now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, ugh, it is sad. And I definitely <laughs> explored that, like having that part of your family, like missing from you for decades and then taking it upon yourself to correct that. And that's what we seem to want to do in the moment we met. This is such a great book, but you aren't always a writer. Now, are you still an interpreter or no? Yes, I am still a sign language interpreter. Um, I do part-time with community colleges. So a lot of like college class interpreting. And then for the rest of the time, I'm out in the community doing random assignments. And I just, I still love that job so much. I'm so passionate about it. So yeah, in a dream world, I would always be interpreting and writing um, but usually depending on, you know, my mood, I'll like toggle how many hours of each I'm doing. It must be so rewarding. Yeah, I love it a lot. I love um, having a means to connect with like the deaf community and working with them. And then it's really like an honor and a privilege to like be present and like so so many random parts of their life, right? Because we like live our lives as hearing people and you go to a doctor's appointment, it's just you and the doctor, maybe bring a family member along, but having that extra person, like it feels like such a huge like honor and um, responsibility also. Oh, I love it. You are, I could just tell you're an amazing soul. I don't know. I feel like an energy here. Thank not, you. Not I definitely feel the I feel connection. <laughs> Yeah. So what inspired you to start writing? Well, I, as a kid, I was someone who was always like writing little stories and illustrating them and then forcing them on like, you know, my mom and aunts <laughs> to read. Um, but as you look like middle school and high school, like the only reading I was doing was assigned reading and mm -hmm. you're doing your homework and everything. So it really wasn't until after my freshman year in college, I went to Ohio State, but I went home to San Antonio to try to find a job. I applied to so many places, didn't get called back, wasn't hired. I interviewed at SeaWorld. Not even SeaWorld hired me. They were hiring every teenager except for me. Um, and so 
instead, I just spent the whole summer in the library, like reconnecting with my love of books and finding fiction stories that really inspired me. And that summer was when I had the light bulb moment, like, I also want to write books and I want to get it published. And I just kept working on story after story after story. And then 10 years later, finally, the first book was published the moment we met. No, have we met? And oh. then the moment we met. <laughs> That's amazing. And so inspirational. And I love how like 10 years, you can't give up. If you feel something and you're passionate about it, you cannot give up the no's. You have to turn them around and turn them into positives. Yes. And I love like throughout those 10 years, like I look back on, I'm like, wow, that was 10 years. But when you're in it and you're just working on a new story and you're excited about that idea and you think that one's the one like, and it's not, but you don't know. So you just keep working on it. You're not consumed with like how much time it's taking. And I've learned about myself, like if it's something that I want to do, like I can't think about time as a factor, how much time it will take. Cause it was similar with sign language interpreting. I had graduated and I was like, I don't want to go to this program in San Antonio because it's going to take three to four more years. I just got my bachelor's for four years. I don't want to go to more school. So I stayed local and did like the community college program there thinking it was going to be shorter. It wasn't. Then I ended up transferring to San Antonio anyway to do the three years. <laughs> and so for me, like if I'm considering something, the journey of how long it's going to take shouldn't be a factor at all because I've heard someone say like, yeah, it'll take three to four years, but if you don't do it, you'll still be four years older in four years and you'll, you'll still not have done it. So, yeah. I love, I love that you brought that up too, because I think along with relationships, I think that's another thing that we put so much pressure on ourselves. And honestly, I don't understand it. And I feel like now that I'm older and wiser, maybe I'm figuring it out, but I wish people would figure it out sooner because I know it's going to help them. Time doesn't matter as long as you are going with your passion, you're happy, you're safe, and you're fulfilling your inner needs. If something takes 10 years, if it takes 50 years, it doesn't matter. It's your journey. Yes. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. So where can people go to get more information about you and your book? The best place is my website, CamilleBaker.com. From there, you'll have all the buy links if you want to buy it, but also my social media links if you want to connect with me on Twitter or Instagram. That's where I'm at most. And if you care about what I'm reading and loving, my Goodreads account is linked there too. Oh, I have to check that out. I love that. And here's the book again, just so you know what it looks like the moment we met by Camille Baker. Thank you so much for being with us. And I hope we could chat again soon. Thank you so much for having me, Kiki. It was a pleasure. All right. Have a good day.